All right. Let's celebrate that. Uh, 80 baptisms last weekend. Uh, that, that's a record for a church on a regular baptism weekend. I'll, I'll talk about what's not regular just in a second, but, uh, but it, you just want to celebrate life change because that's a whole lot of people who've made a huge decision in their life to follow Jesus and want to make that public. And if you, we've already gotten a lot of people saying, Hey, wait a minute. I missed it. I really want to do that. And, and you're welcome to do that. And we will do another one in August, another big one. In fact, that's not a regular one. Occasionally we kind of blow it out and there'll be two or three times that many who will get baptized and we give the whole service to that. And that's the first weekend in August. And so even if you're online and you're somewhere else in the country, um, fly in and get baptized. You know, that would be great. We can or just call in or email in. We can also help you figure out how to get baptized where you are. It's the first thing that Jesus asks a Christ follower to do and to go public with our faith that way. And so some of you aren't ready to take that step to following Jesus. But when you are, well, that's kind of the first step in once you believe to say, man, I, I want to go public with that and be baptized. And if you want to do it sooner, uh, let the church know whatever campus you're at. And we do we do them in small groups. We do them in different ways. But but circle August, the first weekend of August and uh, and that'll be our next baptism. And and anyway, that'll be really cool to celebrate um, all that life change, too. So today we are finishing out this little series we've been in called No Offense, None Taken. And it's amazing how practical and surprising and how different God's wisdom is in relationships when it comes to how being offended, because we're in a culture where it is so easy to offend and so easy to be offended. And God points us to a different way to navigate relationships. And today we're certainly going to see that as we're today, we're focused on not actions toward each other, but reactions toward each other, because you and I can't control what people do. We can't control people's actions, what they do, what they say. And sometimes it'll, it won't be what we want and it'll be, it'll bother us. It'll be offended, right? But how we react, we are in complete control of. We're 100% in control of our reactions. And I think we all know through experience that reactions are a big deal because the way we react to something will either spiral it down or take it up. It'll either kind of just make it worse or make it better, right? It can, it can inflate it or deflate it, um, just depending on how we uh, react. And if we, and we've got some choices, right? So when something happens, we can react like more normal people do, which is react in kind. Uh, the Bible talks about that. Jesus said, do something different, but like eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. You kick me in the shin, I'm going to kick you in the shin, right? It's, I'm going to get back at you. So that's normal. You react in kind. You can also overreact. I mean, somebody does something and you go, you, t- you take it bigger, you escalate, go, ah, you know, even bigger. You can also choose to not react at all. Just ignore it. Or you can make another choice. And it is a crazy choice. It is also a powerful choice. And it's the choice that Jesus points us to. And this has the power to change you. It has the power, or me, it has the power to change the other person or group. It has the power, if we choose it enough, to change a whole culture. And today we're going to focus, we're just going to look at what Jesus says about the power of our reactions. 
and what an alternative a Jesus reaction might look like. Now, to get us into that, before we look at what Jesus is going to say, I'm going to give a scenario to kind of help us out a little bit. And you can think of scenarios in your own life. This is from mine. And it's one that came to mind from a long time ago when I was in sixth grade. So this is my, it was on my sixth grade birthday. Now, my birthday is November 1st. So go ahead and circle that date, too. You've got baptism and then my birthday, right? November 1st. And, uh, and that's, uh, which is All Saints Day. They named it after me and then decided, well, we might as well put all the saints in there. And, uh, but that's November 1st, and which means my birthday is the day after Halloween, October 31st, right? So this story really starts on Halloween, my sixth grade year. And this was after normal people were trick-or-treating, like little kids already get on, you know, it's kind of that weird time in trick-or-treating when annoying people still knock a little bit too late. You know, it's kind of that era of that or that period of time. And I was out with two of my sixth grade friends and we heard that there was a group of about five or six eighth graders that were going around smashing people's pumpkins. And for some reason, I don't know why, I decided to take up the cause of saving our pumpkins. I was not going to let that happen. And even though these were not just normal eighth graders, these were the biggest, meanest eighth graders in our school. One guy, the ringleader in particular, was just known to just, he was just a mean guy. And he was really big and really big bully and all that kind of stuff. But for some reason, I really want, you know, so I, so I rallied my little, you know, two little sixth grade friends. And we're like, we're going to save our pumpkins. And they were like, yeah. And then about that time, we saw these eighth graders coming up toward my house. And so I look at my two buddies. I said, man, let's run and let's go make sure they don't do anything with our, with my pumpkin. Oh, you know, so I start running, assuming that they're right behind me. They were not. But I get up to, I, as, as they're coming toward my house and I'm coming up to them, I just yell out, you're not going to, you're not going to touch my pumpkin. Pretty stupid, but I'm sixth grade. So I, you know, you're not going to touch my pumpkin. So I go up and they come around me, six big eighth graders. I'm a little bitty sixth grader. And they come up, you know, chest and, you know, my, you know, all that kind of stuff going on. And they're like, and the main guy, the mean guy, meanest guy was like, who's going to stop me? Now, I, uh, I was dressed like a sort of a pirate. And I had this little cheap, uh, you know, plastic sword as part of my costume. And so when he says, who's going to stop me? And he's mad and he's about to do something bad to me. I decided to try to diffuse it with humor. So I pull out my little plastic sword. I said, well, me and my pirate sword, thinking he would get the humor. But he didn't. And uh, it went right over his head. And he, so he came up to me. He's like, really? You're going to pull a knife on me? You know what I do to people who pull a knife on me? You know what I'm about to do to you? I had some ideas. And fortunately, though, before that could happen, my dad uh, pulled into the driveway coming home from work. And he saved me for the time being. As the guys were like, okay, this isn't over. You're going to find out tomorrow what happens to people who pull knives on us. And they left. So I go to middle school that next day. And by that time, word had gotten out. And so everybody, you know, in the school was coming by me and were like, oh, man, Jeff, it's been nice knowing you, you know, or man, you, you know, you're 
really good guy. Sorry, you're going to get killed today. You know, all that. I mean, it's just like, it's all day. And I was just dreading every set, you know, when did something going to happen or anything? Nothing happened. Bell rang, but I knew I had to walk home. And walking home, uh, this guy, this mean guy lived in my neighborhood also, and he always did the same route where you, there was an underpass, a tunnel underneath this main street that went into our neighborhood from the school. And I figured as I was going into that tunnel, that's probably where they would be. And I knew I could avoid it, but you can't avoid it all. Yeah, I decided, you know, I might as well just get it over with. So I go into the tunnel and sure enough, those six eighth graders are there. And they come up to me, pick me up in the air, slam me against the wall of that tunnel. And the, you know, guy's like, let me tell you what I'm going to, you know, and then he hits me in the stomach a few times. They throw me down on the floor, kick me, laugh, and go away. That's my birthday, sixth grade. And I walk home from there, angry, humiliated, embarrassed. And I, I remember going home, and nobody was home except Mitzi, my miniature schnauzer. So I'm talking to Mitzi, telling her what happened, and I start scheming all the ways I could get back at these big eighth graders, maybe rally all the sixth graders. Or I mean, I, yeah, there's not a whole lot I could do, but I was just thinking of all these ways I get back. And for the first time in my life, I sense God whispering into my soul, into my mind, my heart, my spirit. And what he was asking me to do I didn't know much about God, but I knew it was him began to change me. And I'm going to get to that later, the rest of the story. But first, I just want you to think about times in your life, and you're going to have them big, small, little, this week, other time, where somebody's going to do something, somebody's going to say something, and you feel violated, you feel taken advantage of, because maybe you are. Or somebody, you're insulted, you're mistreated. And you have this, you want to react, right? And, and you know, naturally you want to, and you have a choice. Like I said before, you can just react like everybody else, which is to react in kind. You do this to me, well, I'm going to do this to you, get even. You can overreact, take it up even higher. You can just ignore it, not react at all, or there's another choice. And that other choice is powerful not only for you, but for others. And if we do it long enough, it's actually powerful enough to change a whole society, a whole culture. And it's much needed right now. It's a crazy choice. And it is the Jesus choice. So we're going to look at it. And for those of you who are not Christians, you didn't sign up to do what Jesus said. So you've got a choice. And, but I'm going to tell you, if you do this, it's pretty incredibly cool. And you'll even see insults and slights and being taken advantage of as an opportunity. And it's kind of fun not to get slighted, but it's actually fun to respond this way. But for those of us who are Jesus followers, this isn't optional. This is part of the deal. This is part of the thing we sign up for. It's not, it's not even just a bonus thing. Oh, you know, do all this other stuff. And then, you know, do this if you can. Like this is part of the package. Like this is really important to God. And today we're going to see why. 
And, and, and we're going to see it in what's called the Sermon on the Mount. Now, Jesus didn't label it anything, but we call it the Sermon on the Mount because he was on this hillside. It was a very important sermon because it was a time where he was laying out his like manifesto. It was him saying, hey, this is what he called his kingdom, which is the world made right again after sin ruined it. This is the kind of life I'm bringing. And this is what it means to follow me. This is how Jesus people roll. So it's not just extra. This is like what we do. This is what we're known for. This is, and, and he gives a lot of space in that sermon to how we react to other people and who are offensive. And so I'm going to read it and then we'll unpack it. And this is crazy, but it's powerful. Luke 6, 27. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Now in Matthew, he adds, you've heard it said, Love your friends, hate your enemies. But I say to you, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Now, let me unpack it, because like I said, it's pretty crazy, but pretty stinking cool what can happen. But let's just go through it. First, he says, love your enemies. That's kind of the big highlight. That's kind of the big headline. Love your enemies. Now, by enemies, he doesn't mean people in your life who mess up and hurt you. Like, they don't want to hurt you. They love you or they care about you. But people, we're going to fail each other. We're going to do... and. And he's not saying love people when they, like, in the face of an offense, love people who love you but mess up. That's true that we need to do that. But he's sort of assuming we know that. Like, we'll, we'll be able to do that. That's hard, but not as hard as this is. What he's talking about is enemies. And an enemy is a person who does not love you, is a person who hates you, is a person who does not have your best interest at heart. They're hurting you on purpose. They're disregarding your feelings and don't give a flip about that. They, they don't care about you. They're out to get you. And Jesus says, even that kind of person, especially that kind of person, in the face of hate, choose love. Now, love, biblically, is not a feeling. It's not this warm, syrupy, oh, I fell in love, I just love you. It's not like you just, you know, they do something terrible and they're a terrible person. And you're like, oh, I love you so much, man. I just love you. And, you know, I feel so wonderful to you. That's, it's not that. It's not that warm, fuzzy. I mean, that's great. That, that's, but that's not what he's talking about. What he's talking about is a choice to transcend feelings of wanting to get even, to say, you know what? Choice says, I'm going to take self out of the equation and I'm going to elevate you. You're more important than me. I'm going to honor you above me. I'm going to serve you above me. I'm going to prefer you above me. That's what love is. Love is the opposite of selfishness. It's preferring the other. It's focusing on the other. Doing whatever is best for the other. And so you're saying, so whenever something happens with an enemy, somebody who's out to get you, and they do something bad, it's an opportunity instead to say, I'm not going to respond in kind. In fact, I'm going to do what love demands. I'm going to do what is best for you. I'm going to honor you. I'm going to prefer you. I'm going to serve you. Now, then he unpacks it with the rest of it. He says, do good to those who hate you. So in the face of hate, meaning people who are doing bad things, people who are hurting you, people who are maligning you, people who are 
tearing you down, people who are talking badly about you, people who are not including you, people, whatever it is, in the face of that, do good. Do the opposite. And think, is there a way that I can actually do good? Is there a way that I can serve this person? Is there a way I can include this person? Is there a way I can honor this person, speak well of this person, even though they've done the opposite? It's doing good. It's not returning, as another Bible passage says, do not return evil for evil. It is returning evil with good. Responding good in the face of evil. Then he says, bless those who curse you. When people insult you and they curse you, instead, don't return insult for insult. Instead, find a way to bless them. Find a way to honor them. Find a way to respect them. Pray for those who mistreat you. Now, notice it's pray for, not pray against. He's not saying, God, I pray that you'll turn their hair into maggots. You know, you may want to pray that. Or, God, I pray you give them leprosy. Just make a couple things fall off. Not everything, but just something. You know, just let them know how much I'm hurting right now. It's, God can do that, but that's, he won't respond to that kind of prayer. But we are to pray for them. God bless them. God, show your love to them. God, it, it's, we'll talk more about the prayer thing, but it's a powerful thing when we do that. If someone slaps you on the cheek, turn to them the other also. Now, if you're not a Christian or you're not around church very much or haven't ever been around church and you've been in this culture, you've heard the phrase, turn the other cheek. And you may wonder where that happened, like where that came from. Well, that came from Jesus. There's a lot of phrases in our culture like that that come from Jesus. It's a really powerful thing, but it's also misunderstood. So let me tell you what this passage is not saying, and then we'll do what it is saying. What it's not saying is, if you're being physically attacked or abused, just take it and don't say anything about it. Just let it happen. Just get beat to a pulp. That's not what he's talking about. And, and that's important because some of you are, are maybe in a situation that, where you're facing some kind of abuse. Physical abuse, sexual abuse, something like that, or bullying at school or whatever. And, and what he's not saying is just take it and don't say anything. That's not, that's not even loving to the other person, actually. Well, but if that's happening, you need to talk to somebody. You need to talk to an authority person. Talk to the police. Talk to a teacher. Talk to a parent. Talk to so who, a pastor. Talk to somebody. Don't just let that. That's not what he's talking about. Here's what he is talking about. The NIV says slap. In their culture, it was a normal thing, not just, not, not just or at least it wasn't that uncommon, that to add to an insult, you would add a slap. It was a backhand slap in that culture. So you would like slap the person, and it wouldn't necessarily hurt terribly. That wasn't the point. It was just this adding this physical thing to an offense, just to slap them and say, so what are you going to do about it? And for some reason, in my mind, it, it's, it's like a French accent works. It's like you, you know, you, you know, you like it with a glove or something and you go, whap, and you go, so what are you going to do? It's a terrible French accent. But um, anyway, right. It, but somehow it works. And uh, so there, you know, and you just, you know, it's like throwing down the gauntlet. Like, OK, I, you know, now what are you going to do? And what Jesus is saying is don't respond in kind. Don't don't get baited into that. Don't go down to that level. Instead. Turn the other cheek. Just say, hey, if that makes you happy, do it with the other hand. It's not returning insult for insult or physical for physical. 
Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. That's talking about when you're taken advantage of even financially or whatever. Now, there's some unique things, I think, that are going on in that culture, but it transcends to this culture, too. It's just respond with uncommon generosity. Even if somebody takes advantage of you and, you know, you want to make a big deal about it and all that. Instead, he's saying, why not just be overly generous and, and take away that sting, take away their power over you and just say, you know what? If that means that much to you, go for it. It's yours. It's a very different way to respond. His summary says, do to others as you would have them do to you. Now, in context, this isn't just actions. This is reactions. Meaning react to other people the way you wish they'd react to you. Like when something happens like this. So, you know, because when we mess up, we really want, we don't want people to be fair. We don't want to get what we deserve. When we mess up, right, we... We want them to say, like you get a ticket or something. We don't want the, we don't want to get what we deserve. We want to get the warning, right? Or when we mess up in a relationship and we say something we shouldn't or we do something we shouldn't, we hope that they'll be gracious, that they won't, they'll, they'll just be uncommonly gracious and we're like, oh, thank you so much, right? And Jesus is saying, so therefore react the way you hope others would react. And this is taking a very high, high road and it's not normal because it violates self. And our self-preservation and our exaltation of self and our sin nature. Like, this is not normal. And it wasn't normal then either. And Jesus, that's why he continues. He says in the next verse, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Meaning, big deal. Everybody can love people that love them, and even if they're not a follower of me. That, that's, you don't get credit for that. Everybody does that. Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Big deal. You're doing good to somebody who's doing good to you. Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But here's the elevated life. But you love your enemies. Do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then a couple things happen. One is your reward will be great. Just stop there just a second. Your reward will be great. This is so important to God that he watches what you and I do. And if you and I choose this reaction, what he's saying is, hey, I know you're losing something. You're giving up something, the right to get even or you've been taken advantage of. But if you respond with uncommon grace and generosity and don't demand you know, retribution or something back, I'll see it. And I'll reward you for all eternity for it. You won't be cheated. I'll make sure for all eternity. I'll I'll more than pay you back for that. Because it's so important to God. And we'll see why. Which leads me to the next part. He says your reward will be great. And you will be children of the Most High. Talking about God the Father. And you will be children of the Most High. Because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. That's his heart. It's his character that we're displaying when we do that. Be merciful, therefore. Be compassionate, just as your father is merciful. Two powerful things happen when we choose this uncommon response in the face of hate. First, we show that we are children of the Most High, who is gracious, who is kind to those who aren't. 
meaning we display the heart of God to people in a compelling way, in a way that causes people to see his beauty and glory, that pulls people to him. You and I have this crazy opportunity to do that. And throughout church history, it's one of the ways Christians have shined. Like even in the first century, when, you know, you've probably heard of Roman persecution and terrible things being done to Christians. And when you read those ancient Romans, like Pliny and Tacitus and these people who were writing about it at the time, they were all shocked by Christians in the face of persecution, being killed in the Colosseum and all this kind of just for being Christians. And they're like, these people, they're crazy. Like they, they just love their persecutors. They, they love the people who are killing. Like they pray for them. They, and it, it's a big, big part of what won over the Roman world and, and to Jesus. It's a powerful thing. I remember, it takes me back to college days. I was involved in a church, uh, and a few of you know this name, because uh, I know you've told me that you were in that church too. His name is, and I'll honor him this way, his name was Mickey Park, and he's just a wonderful pastor. And I learned so much watching him. I was an intern in that church and, and got to just watch him be a pastor. And, and uh, in this one time was one of those times, one of those learning times. So we were moving into our new worship center that we had prayed for, raised money for, sacrificed for financially. And it was going to be the grand opening, or it was the grand opening, you know, this Sunday. It was a big service and big party and big, like we were just so excited to get into our new worship center. Been praying about that forever. And finally it was here and, you know, it's going to be Sunday morning, right? Well, Saturday night, somebody broke in and vandalized the new room. Took all the sound equipment out, uh, stole it, spray painted stuff, broke stuff. And so when we got in on that Sunday morning and, and the staff got in, that's what they found. And all these big plans with this big music and all the big sound system had to go out the window. And they, the youth group had a little speaker that, you know, they could use. And so there was a speaker with a microphone and a guy with a guitar that led some worship. And we all just felt so violated. And then Mickey got up and he said, hey, instead of a normal sermon, he said, do you know what happened? And he explained what happened and somebody, we don't know who, but somebody broke in. And then he said this, he said, we're going to pray for those people. That's what we're going to do today. And, and, and a lot of us were thinking, yeah, let's pray for those people, you know, <laughs> pestilence, suffering, you know, whatever. And he's like, and here's how we're going to pray. We're going to pray that they are overwhelmed with God's blessing, that God will just shower his blessing on them in a way that they don't know what hit them. Let's pray that they will be overwhelmed with God's unconditional love for them in a way that they can't shake it. He said, people, you know, I don't know what they, you know, I don't know who they are, but obviously they're people who are hurting and people who have some issues going on and God loves them. And they're the kind of people we're called to reach and love and and that's what we're going to do. We're going to pray that God will just shower down his blessing. on And you just felt something break in the church, you know, in, in a good way. It's like, yeah, you know, that's right. Well, word got out about that in the community. Not just about the vandalism, but about the prayer for the vandals. And it was the kind of chatter you want, right? As people thinking, man, how crazy that they would pray that. It's powerful. I mean, just look at Martin Luther King, right, who, who used these passages to guide his way through the civil rights movement and changed our culture 
um, it, because of it. Because love in the face of hate is powerful. I mean, here's what he said. You know, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. He also said love is the only force capable of transforming an enemy into a friend. Another time, let no man pull you so low as to hate him. It's amazing. I mean, in my little problems, you know, I can think of him and think, wow, if he was able in the face of that kind of hate to choose love, I can choose love with what I face. And it can change a culture. That's one thing that happens, right? We display the heart of God in such a compelling way that it changes people. But the other thing that happens is it changes us. And in fact, the way Jesus, when he said, and you will be children of the Most High, I think a better way to translate that verb tense from the original language, Greek in the New Testament, would be, and you will become children of the Most High. And it's hard to translate it that way because they're like, wait a minute, that's not how we become children of God. That's not how we're saved by works or by... And Jesus isn't talking about salvation. Jesus is talking about what Christians, it's a Christian word called sanctification. He's talking about transformation. He's talking about spiritual formation, how we grow, how we change. And what Jesus is saying is, one of the ways we grow and change, that we become like God, that we become like our Father, that we become children, that you'd say, yeah, you're like your dad. The way that happens, one of the ways that happens is when we choose love in the face of hate. When we choose to react this way. And if we choose that long enough, it changes us. And at first, it's kind of mechanical. We won't want to do it. But if we do it long, if we keep doing it, keep doing it, our hearts will change. We will be like our Father in heaven. We'll actually want to do that. It's like this is a picture of my dad uh, and my mom, too. Um, This is when they were in their 30s, so it's a while back. My dad's in heaven now. Um, And and that's on display, that picture, when you walk into my mom's uh, house. And whenever people do that and they know me, they're like, oh, man, he looks like Jeff or Jeff looks like him. And they'll tell me that. And I always love hearing that. But what I love hearing more is when people say, Jeff, you're you're a lot like your dad. Not just look like your dad, but you're like your dad. That's a huge honor for me because I'm not. I wish I was more like my, my dad was an amazing person. I wish I was more like my dad. But whenever I hear that, I'm like, man, thank you. Let's take that up a few notches. Because what Jesus is saying, you want to be like your dad? You want to be like your father? Then make this choice. And if you make this choice long enough, it's one of the ways we grow to be like him. It's one of the ways we grow to be like our dad. We not only display the heart of God, but we start taking on the heart of God. We start to think like he does. We start to be like him. And... And again, like I said, at the first time you do it, or second, third time, it, you just, it may be just be sheer obedience. But over time you do it enough, it will change your want to. It will just be the way you operate, the way you relate, the way you think over time. That's what began to happen to me back in sixth grade on my birthday. Remember that? So here's what I sense God speaking into my heart and life as I was scheming with Mitzi, my dog, about what we could do to these eighth graders. And when I sensed God speaking, and I, and I, I didn't know anything about God in sixth grade, but I, but I knew this probably didn't come from me, and it certainly didn't come from Satan. And just because what I sensed God saying for the first time in my life, pray for him. Pray for him. And I didn't want to. 
but I knew it was God. So I looked at Mitzi. I really did. I looked at Mitzi and I said, okay, we're going to pray for him. And I bowed. I got down on my knees. Probably the first time I'd ever done that. And began to pray for him. And when I began to pray for him, it really changed me. Because it's hard to pray for somebody that you're mad at and stay mad. Because if you begin to pray for them, you start to realize, man, there's something broken in this person. And, and I know God, you know, hurt, like the phrase, hurt people, hurt people. You know, like there's something really broken in this person. Like, and God, I don't know what it is. And his life must be terrible. And would you change it for him? Whatever's going on in his heart and life, God, would you, would you change it? It must be terrible to be him. And it began to change me. That's the power of what Jesus is talking about. It not only can change others and change our world, it can also change us. But it's a, not a normal choice to love our enemies, to do good to those who hate us, to honor those who are reviling us and who mistreat us and who leave us out or tear us down or, and we build them up. I mean, that's not a normal reaction. But it's the Jesus reaction. And for all the reasons we've said, it is a powerful one. It's one of the ways we roll. And we're going to practice it. I'm going to encourage us to, to practice it. We're going to pray about that. But before I do, I want to give just a couple caveats. One, couple, one caveat I've already given, and that is if we're talking about, if you're being abused some way, actually, it's loving. You know, because really the choice is what does love demand? Like, what's the most loving thing I can do? In that case, actually, the most loving thing, not just for you, but for the other person, is to reach out to somebody else who can help, who can help because that's not cool. Like, so we're not, we're talking about, we're talking, that's something different, okay? Another caveat is if you have unresolved pain in your life, this is going to be really, really hard to do. And it's about triggering, right? You'll be, because when something happens, you'll be, you'll trigger and it'll go all the way back to that unresolved pain. You don't even realize it's happening and you'll give a big reaction and think, and, and so it's really hard to do what Jesus says if you're holding on to unresolved stuff. And so let me encourage you to deal with that unresolved stuff because it's not that you're a bad person that your personality is messed up or something like that. It's just, there's stuff there and, and you didn't, you, you probably didn't do anything wrong to be hurt, right? But you have a choice to to get unhurt, to, to resolve it, and so that it doesn't trigger. And then, you know, we're um, something big. Um, there's another caveat, but I don't remember it, so it must not be that important. So um, we're going to uh, we're gonna take this to God. And, and I want you to, you know, this week, you're going to have an opportunity to practice this because somebody's going to text something, somebody's going to post something, somebody's going to say something. You're going to get a Slack message at work. It's you want to go back. Uh, you're going to, um, somebody's going to do something or not do something. They're gonna, whatever, right? They're just, and, and, and there's even some really bad people who are going to try to make your life hard. And you're going to have a choice about how to respond. And the Jesus response is just, it's just instead of just reacting how you naturally would, it's just stop. And pray about it. Just, just a second. Just pray. Just say, God, what would, what would love do? What does it mean for me to love this person? And sometimes that's really hard to know. But, and, and you may even want to talk to somebody if it's really confusing and, and get some help. But 
God, what would love demand me to do in the face of this? What happened? What, what, how could I not respond in kind but take the high road? A really high road. And again, if you take it enough, what you'll find over time is that's just kind of the way you roll. You'll be like, have the heart of the Father. And it'll just, but at first, it's, it's going to be clunky and it's not going to feel right. And it can change our lives. It can change our soul. It can change the other person. May not happen. You may not even see it in your lifetime. But it has the power to do that. It has power if we choose it enough to change our culture. The one that really needs to be changed in this area. And so let's take it to God in prayer. And I encourage you, as I always, I always like at the end of messages, if you're new, I like to take us all to God because He's here, right? He, we're, we gather in His presence. And our world is so busy, it's hard to have time just to talk to Him. And this is an opportunity in this quiet to talk to Him. Just you talk to Him. He's your Father. He loves you. And you can just talk to Him. He doesn't care what words you use or anything like that. You just... He's your, he's your dad. That's what Jesus said. If you know him. So just, and for some of you, I'm telling you, this is really hard to do if you don't have a relationship with God. And Jesus made it possible. When he came and he died on the cross for your sin and mine to take away the guilt of sin that we can be forgiven. And he offers that as a gift. And so maybe the first thing to do if you've never done that is say, God, I, I want your forgiveness. I, I want to know you. I want to follow you. I need your help to do this because we do. And for those of us who've done it, I want you to just, you may have an offense in your mind right now, something that you're dealing with and it really hurt or disappointed or whatever. And say, God, what, how can I be gracious like you? What, what does it mean for me to love? What does it mean for me to honor? What does it mean for me to pray for them? What does it mean for them to do good to them? What can, how can I respond in a Jesus way? And God, would you over time change our heart? And use us to change this culture. In Jesus' name, amen.